I was just going to find a two and throw singing uh, tutorial or not tutorial <laughs> um, video for you to check out later. Okay. I, I can't say that I've ever had a two and throw singing phase, but, but it sounds like you have. <clears throat> a bit. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a period uh, in school when a couple of my schoolmates were into overtone singing and overtone singing kind of comes from tube and throat singing um so they got into it and by proxy i also got into it <laughs> great you only have to watch like you, 10 seconds to hear it but yeah did, did you um try did you practice a little bit but it's pretty embarrassing <laughs> Tell you how the practicing goes. You you okay. basically sing a note, a low note, not your lowest note, but pretty close, as strongly as you can, and just experiment with mouth shapes, doing ooh yeah, ooh yeah sounds while you're singing this note to create different pitches on top of the note. Right. And it's really hard to find just the right like shape with your mouth. Uh huh. So you're just sitting there going like, like, yeah, you really want like. I think the easiest one is the, um, oh yeah, I I saw one tutorial that said, say muari, so M U A R. E E Mwari and go slowly through that and it'll bring your mouth through all the shapes like and you and you'll find certain spots if you stick on them and like experiment you'll you'll hear these pitches. Huh. Okay. I'll uh, I'll check it out. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's a totally fun thing to do in COVID. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I guess I wanted to ask, when you first started learning guitar, you started when you were like in grade six? Grade mm, six. Yeah, going into grade six. Going into grade six. Like, how did it, how like fun was learning guitar at the start? Oh, it was great. Like learning all my favorite songs at the time mm. and then learning those songs, which would lead me to n newer songs. Um, which then became my favorite song. So it, it was like a pathway into musical discovery, which I think is why it was so fun. Mm. At least one of the reasons. Um, like, it was so fun that with no embarrassment whatsoever, I would bring my guitar into our grade six music class where everyone had to play recorder. And I asked if yeah. I could bring my little electric guitar with the little starter amp and play the music instead on that. Yeah. No shame. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I'm sure there were many other uh, sixth grade girls that also thought it was very cool. <laughs> They're probably all wondering, like, what the hell is he doing? Why does he think he can do that? <laughs> Why, Why doesn't he have to use recorder? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, so, yeah, it, I guess it was like a process of, like, discovery or just... 
Yeah, I don't know. Did you did you start taking lessons right away? Like after you got the guitar? Mm-hmm. Or like how much was golf taught? Yeah, it was lessons. Yeah, that was the deal with my dad. Um like he, he said, Okay, if we get a guitar for your birthday, you have to promise to start lessons immediately. And so because I think I had picked up his guitar and just kind of played around with it for about a month. Because he had been taking guitar lessons for I don't know, like half a year. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah, I showed enough interest that I wanted one. Because I was into like ACDC and stuff, so I was like, "Yeah, I want to play that kind of music." So he's like, "Okay, we'll get one, but you got to take lessons." And then by October, because my birthday's in September, so within a month, we had my first teacher, Rick. Um, yeah, and then we just went straight into it. So I I never had that self-taught period, uh, which has its benefits, I think, to just go into lessons right away because you avoid a lot of pitfalls. <clears throat> but I also think I missed out on some things that you get when you're self-taught. So there's Mm -hmm. positives and negatives to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But even with the lessons, like it was still, like, I guess your lessons with Rick, they were still, you were picking out the songs to practice on and he would like encourage you. Like there was no like Royal Conservatory, learn all your scales, that sort of thing. No, I still remember honestly, like the first lesson where he said, okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to learn like songs or rock songs and stuff? Or do you want to learn to read music? And I remember looking back at my dad because, like, we had made this deal, and I was like, he kind of like looked at me, and nods. I was like, yeah, I think maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> like, um, so he's like, okay, yeah, I I think that's good too. And li- that's literally what I ask all of my students now today too. It's like, mm. what do you want to do? Do you want to learn songs? Or do you want to learn music? <laughs> and I I suggest both if they don't know, um, because mm. that's what I did, and I just think it's better to be more rounded mm-hmm. in general um yeah so there was no forcing of conservatory stuff even though he was a conservatory classical guitar by training Mm -hmm. yeah he he was more than good enough to play some acdc and teach me what i wanted to know about that and just how to read basic music yeah do kids want to learn acdc these days yeah (laughs) yeah okay sure yeah yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, maybe because I show them ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very biased teacher, but yeah, it, it is a good place to start. And I remember at some point in my lessons when I was getting a little bit maybe too like used to the ACDC stuff, and I was just like eating through the, their songs because at a certain point you learn what they do, and you can just reorganize it, and it's a new ACDC song, right? Mix and match. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. You know, I had had enough ACDC that I could just go through one or two a week. And I think my dad had asked Rick if it was like, is it still okay? He's doing just like ACDC songs. Like, you know, is is that okay? It seems like you could use more of a challenge. Um, And then I guess Rick said, yeah, like at least ACDC uses proper chords and they have interesting riffs and they're very blues based. Like they actually have substance within their music. I'm like, like some other rock bands that people can be into like i don't know any examples but um (laughs) yeah so i remember i remember hearing that from my dad that he that rick had said that so i still think like yeah if if you're learning back in black a lot of people just play simple two-string power chords but if you want to play it right you have to play full like at least three-string power chords if not full um chords and then there are some quick riffs in there too that will test your timing and dexterity and sections switch very quickly like you have to be on it 
it's not easy stuff. So for a kid mm-hmm. to get into that, be able to do the easy power chord version, get hooked, and then want to be able to do the full version, it's it's pretty mm-hmm. powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the next transition point, or how how long do you think your uh, ACDC phase lasted? Mine, <laughs> like three <Yeah>. years. <laughs> I mean, like the guitar learning aspect. Maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> it was too long. I I learned. I spent way too much time on ACDC. That's funny. Another, another um, thing I just thought of though to interject about. Mm-hmm the ACDC thing, why people still learn ACDC, there's no guitar heroes anymore. Like, there are no bands that have epic guitar players. So we always have to look back to the 70s and 80s and 90s that starts to die off. But by the 2000s, it's like, the most guitar you get is just like simple power chords in a Green Day song. Right. So, yeah, that's why we still do like ACDC. Because it was yeah. from a time when guitar was cool. Mm. Yeah. I, I heard... Um someone describing like the different types of guitar solos there's the like bass melters that's the only one i remember but <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah face melters there'd be like some bluesy solos riff based solos there'd be like the ones where they just play the melody over again that's like nirvana <laughs> yeah uh, um yeah there's so many yeah Fair enough. Um, okay, so two years of ACDC, and then that's when you transition to your like prog rock, Steve by Joe Satriani, or so I would say it wasn't like strictly ACDC for two years. In all fairness, like I did, you know, learn some a couple of Zeppelin songs in there, test out some Black Sabbath, you know, make the rounds. Um, but eventually, I think I would get bored of that stuff. Mm which is, I think, what my dad was starting to worry about when he asked Rick about, like, is it okay if he's still doing this? Um, so, yeah, I got bored of it. And I really enjoyed the ACDC solos, which I try to get my students to enjoy, but they always just think it's too hard. They never want to, yeah. like, practice. They're like, challenges are scary. So <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a whole other topic. But anyway, so I like the soloing. So I heard, like, Jimi Hendrix and... That seemed way too hard for me at the time, which I wish I had gone into it more because it's so cool. But um, stuff like Joe Satriani and Steve Vai seem simpler because they would usually be playing one note at a time in their solos. Mm. And I could I could grasp that and hear that. Whereas like someone like Jimi Hendrix would be playing a mixture of chords and blues riffs and single note stuff. And it was just too much for my mm. little brain at the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, then I started going to that more like prog area and that's i guess as soon as you enter that area you get more interested in technical aspects of the instrument because mm. you hit a wall in like your speed and how cleanly you can execute what they're playing mm. and you're like why don't i sound like them mm. right um and then once you get into the technical technical aspect of it and if you like it you're in deep <laughs> <laughs> yeah um okay and so that like tech technician aspect mm-hmm. of it um that that was like the next step like that that was like interesting yeah I, I, i'm still trying to follow this through line of like funness like following your guitar journey it was like fun mm-hmm. throughout like the the learning each step of the way mm-hmm yeah, well, as, so as, you, as you know me, I like I like a challenge and something new, and I like to pick new things up for their challenge specifically. Mm-hmm. So as long as something continues to challenge me, it's fun. 
Right. Um, so like technique was just a new challenge. And to this day, because mm-hmm. technique is so vast and never ending on guitar, like I love it. Like I picked up this mm-hmm. picking etude again that I had did eight years ago, I think during college, because mm-hmm. I kind of forgot how to do it. And when I was trying to show a student, I was like, oh yeah, I used to do this one and it sounds like this. And then I was like sloppy and I was like, oh crap. I got to practice this again. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, to this day, technique still intrigues me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so when you think about like, like what is making guitar fun for you now, it mm-hmm. is still finding some technical challenge to, like, how do you know? Yeah, I, is this too dumb of a question? Like, how do you know what's fun for you now? Um yeah no i don't that's a hard question actually because when you think about it it feels like it starts to take some of the fun away Mm. um as soon as you start to identify it but i think like what guides me now so i'll say whatever i just end up wanting to do i will assume is fun for me otherwise i wouldn't want to do it Mm -hmm. so i guess my definition of fun wouldn't be like bouncing in a bouncy castle fun. Um, It's something that interests me and makes me feel awake um, Mm. and eager. Mm. So, yeah, like I want to get out of bed to pick up my guitar to work on this thing. Right. Like as I get older, those feelings disappear more and more, I think. Well, I know <laughs> they're not there as much anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, so there, there was a, a moment you said there was a period where, uh, you know, after you graduated, um, you knew, okay, I'm not going to become a performer, a, a performing guitarist per se. And um, I think you were spending a lot of time teaching and like you were saying, you know, teaching by itself, it's good enough to keep your guitar skills going, but you're not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I guess you said you lost your passion or your eagerness for music for a while. Yeah. And that was not even just guitar. That was like music in general. Like there wasn't mm-hmm. any music that I would want to listen to. Like, mm-hmm. I think I made the point too. There were periods within those few years that things would spark my interest again for a couple months. But overall, I'd say it would be pretty low like my interest in music and love for it mm-hmm. yeah there's just no love for it it was still yeah. cool and something i could enjoy but it, yeah i would never want to listen to something or seek out new music right mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but i think at that point i still wasn't sure what i was doing with guitar and i always had these negative feelings like i put all this time and energy and schooling into learning guitar and becoming good I'm still not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many people better than me doing what I want to do. And like, how could I do what they do? And, you know, just like general questioning, like, like so many people go through after school, um, mm-hmm. not even music school specific, but just everything. I was like early twenties, what am I going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And, and I think just recently making some decisions about the next directions I'm going to take in my life, they do not include being a guitar performer. So that's kind of freed me from the pressure of mm. living up to what I have done so far. Yeah. I think my relationship with music has always been one that like, 
there was pressure. Like, I don't think I ever found the fun in music. Like, even, so, I mean, you know, starting piano, uh, I think my sister was doing it. So I'm like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll do it a little bit. Um, and then my, you know, parents enrolled me, but then I just never practiced. And uh, it became this thing where I had to like fake through the lesson each week. And, you know, I knew I didn't practice, but I I don't think I like put two and two, two together that like if I sat down, I would get better. Like that concept mm-hmm. is like, oh bad at it now we'll always be bad at it you know i don't i didn't think i could get better um yeah okay so there's that and then um i mean as you were describing your kind of journey through acdc and like learning joe satriani songs and like how the, the the challenge was like wanting to like to keep you going I don't think you know as a kid I never had I was never like I don't think I was ever really challenged per se mm. um and I never grew to like appreciate what a challenge was um yeah I mean I think I stuck to what I was good at which was like I don't know math or something right mm-hmm. was, like, you know like oh you know, I, I'm still learning new things, but it's never like, wow, I'm like hitting my head against this concept and I really don't get it. It's like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just like, I was never really challenged and that never really excited me. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, my experience in band, I don't think I really appreciated the like making music thing. I think I was like, oh, I'm here hanging out with my friends, like, you know, I, I probably practiced more than like other kids in grade seven, but it still wasn't like, you know, like I, I'm like one notch above the lowest common denominator and that's enough to get me like an A in band class and like, sure, I can perform at the Christmas concert, but you know, that's good enough. Yeah, Yeah, a couple of thoughts with that. Um, The... We'll see if I can remember all them. the um the idea that like a kid doesn't really know what a challenge is is pretty common I'm seeing um and and then they don't want like you said you just felt like when you're bad at something you're bad at something and you're like oh I'll never be good that's such a common thread it seems like like kid, because mm. kids haven't had to live through anything challenging really especially the kids I teach because you know they're affluent households in vancouver um Mm -hmm. so as soon as they're confronted with something they can't do it's like time to quit um Mm. and i'm not gonna say like i was some kid who just persevered through everything and banged my head against things until i got really good at them right i i do think like it was something i was good at but i also maybe attribute it to doing martial arts really early in my life Mm -hmm. and like we had to say this mantra every single day of class, which was like, part of it was that I will overcome obstacles and continue my positive growth. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't know if I ever really thought about it at a young, young age, what that meant, or I did, but I didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. But I think just having that drilled into you, like I will overcome obstacles, saying that enough times, like you were saying before, you can affect your mood and everything with mm-hmm. words, right? Mm-hmm. So saying that out loud all the time, probably did something. Um, so yeah, most kids like won't 
practice that much and won't really realize how much of a challenge they're facing. And they'll just maybe try a little bit, but then they feel bad about failing and they, they don't know that they can get better because they haven't had anything in their life where they've gone through that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, totally legit. I wouldn't beat yourself up about that. That seems like every kid. Um, not that you're beating yourself up, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you said something. Oh yeah, also in band, I also think I was kind of there for the friends. Band for me was easy. Like, yeah, as long as you practiced a little bit, you could stay on top of it because most people didn't practice. <laughs> <laughs> I was just there to hang out. I I sometimes reflect like after going to university and like having a teacher lecture for an hour straight. I'm realizing like how little content was covered in like like a grade eight class. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you would have a one hour block. The teacher would introduce like ten minutes worth of concepts, and then the next fifty minutes was like homework time. Yeah. It's like we were only taught ten minutes worth of stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nuts. Yeah, because you got to teach it to the low- lowest common denominator. Keep keep as many people interested as long as possible, which is like ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah, and then give them assignments to practice those things. But that is the good thing about school, in that they give you assignments because I think that's like the best way to learn, right? Like, you can learn a concept, but you need to apply it mm-hmm. to really learn it and memorize it. Right. Um, case in point, the program I'm trying to learn, Max, for computer music programming. Um, I started going through the tutorials in the program and they have like example music patches that you can look into and see how it all works. And they'll go, they'll walk you through it and they might ask you like change this parameter and see how it changes the pitch or something, or like, Oh, replace this equation with this equation and see how the random number generator changes like little things. Um, but then I was like forgetting everything. So I ordered this book and it goes through like the same way. It gives you a patch to check out that you have to download, um, see how it all works. And then it gives you a bottom of the page assignment that's like, make this using this, this, and this, and this, and it should work like this. And they don't give you the answer. So you have to figure it out. And that is so valuable. And I, I memorize everything so far in this book. Right. So yeah, I, I do think that's something general education has going for it, but I do agree. It's like, they don't teach you anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, so when uh, you got really into rock climbing, um, mm-hmm. do you? It, it seems like you've put it down for a bit. Um, I have, yeah. Yeah. It, it, do you? Uh, okay, maybe we can revisit that after. But but in <laughs> the in the rock climbing, is that? Like, was it a similar feeling to learning the guitar of like, okay, you know, there's this technical aspect and it's like, you know, how you described, okay, when you wake up in the morning, it's like, ooh, I want to like try my hand at, at this, mm. at this problem. Yeah. yeah, that's a more recent experience. So yeah, I can actually talk to that more. Um, there's this common feeling that I think rock climbing gave me to guitar, which you're right in saying. And it can be summed up by saying, how do they do that? Mm. Right? Like you see, it's always seeing somebody else who's really good. And you're just like, whoa, 
And it's just cool. Like, there's no no reason. That's the other thing I was going to say about when I was a kid. I never felt like I had to define what I thought was cool. Mm. Like, I, would, I just thought ACDC was cool. Like, there's nothing cooler, so I'm going to learn that. And it's mm. so cool. And then when I first saw rock climbing and felt how hard it was and then looked at it again, I was like, holy crap, this is so cool. How do these people do this? I have to learn how to do this. Um, yeah. But but there's a lot of a lot of that relies on not trying to justify it because as soon as I try to break it down and justify why I think it's cool and why I want to do it, it kind like the magic almost disappears a little bit. Mm. Um, I guess a question that I have for you is like, are things hard in the same when you're learning a guitar thing now? Is it hard in the same way that it was hard when you were first like? trying to figure out an f chord or like first starting finger picking you know what i mean uh, not at all it's not nearly the same feeling okay yeah do you want more explanation <laughs> <laughs> that would be great okay <laughs> it's just a very yes or no question no i can explain more um yeah i think it just comes with like any level of expertise in something um you have more and more foundation from which to pull upon in your knowledge and mm. technical skill. So see, I'm gonna, I want to do a video about this soon, actually, where I mm. somehow figure out a way to invent something on the guitar that I have never done and practiced. So, cause I, I, I can't, I can't think of anything, right? At least I haven't tried that hard, but I feel mm. like it would be hard to think of something I've never done because I've done so much on the guitar at this point. Mm. So anyway, I'll figure out a way to create something brand new and then just like document my process in learning it because I want to show my students that I still have to do that. And I want to show them that it's possible to go from not being able to do it at all. Like I want to make something really hard for myself that I cannot do, show them how to practice it and then show them that, you know, I can get to a certain level with it. And that's what you have to do with anything, whether it's like learning the C chord or mm -hmm learning some crazy sweet arpeggio up and down the entire guitar neck. Um, but no, it doesn't feel, things don't feel as hard, I think, because I, I have so, things don't feel as hard because I have learned things so many times on the guitar that that, that mm. process is familiar to me now. Right. So I can just pick it up. If I can't do it, okay, slow it down, smooth it out, relax the technique, find the proper fingering, find the best picking. Okay, start speeding it up a little bit, encounter new difficulty. Okay, fix that, keep speeding it up. Okay, got it. Right. right. It's not like, yeah. oh crap, I have to address this fundamental issue with my finger placement now to hit this chord. Mm. Yeah, it's like you're an expert at learning. <laughs> yeah. Or like problem solving. Um, yeah. In my mind, there's like an element of like confidence or maybe it's not confidence, but it's like a lack of doubt. Like I think when I first started learning guitar, there was this element of doubt of like, maybe I'll just never be able to transition from a C to a G smoothly. You know, like maybe that just won't ever happen. And like, that's the end of my guitar career. Um, but I think, like, I guess maybe there's this idea that oh, you've taught yourself harder things in the past. Mm -hmm. So this 
thing, while it's currently new, it's not the hardest thing I'll ever have to learn. Mm -hmm. I've learned something harder previously. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I don't think that, but that is true. Um, and maybe even learning to play a C chord, muting the proper strings and having all the rest of the strings play clearly was the hardest thing I've had to learn because at that mm. time, that process was extremely difficult. Mm. Um, and then everything builds from there, right? But mm -hmm. yeah, I guess that's part of it. But I do agree, like, I think that is one of like my best qualities that I've kind of thought about in self-reflection lately because I've had to fill out these like forms for applications for schools where they ask you like these mm. stupid questions. Um, <clears throat> so I've had to think about these these things, but yeah, like being able to problem solve and being able to learn things quickly, I think is a skill. Mm. Um, and one that I'm pretty good at because I take up a lot of hobbies. So like I'm well practiced in practicing. The way I think about it sometimes is like um, being comfortable in not knowing or like being comfortable mm -hmm. in like just like um, the, the faster I can accept that I'm bad at it. Um, and like, yeah, it's just kind of like being um, like not not cringing when it's wrong, right? Like mm -hmm. it's wrong, but like just breathe through like that's just mm -hmm. fine. Like, you know, you'll get it next time. But it's. I think sometimes when I'm like, I do something so wrong, it's like a oh, cringe, like I'm so embarrassed by how wrong it is. I'm going to drop it. I'm not going right. to pick it up again, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It touches on something else I've been thinking about recently, because I've been thinking about teaching and how I speak to kids when they're learning, because I want to make sure that they don't have these feelings too, right? And I, I definitely don't want to cause these feelings so um anyway i think part of like I'm, i try to express to eight-year-olds which is very difficult but like practicing and learning something is the fun like that's the good part when you have it you have it and it's over but like yeah. the process of learning it and doing it that's that's the meat mm. um and it's great like it's such a nice thing just to be able to sit with something and be alone um with it practice it at your own speed and go through the mistakes and make the mistakes and like they're not mistakes because like what are mistakes but it's just like your refinement your constant refinement of this thing until it's at a point you want to be at mm. um and that that whole idea where it's like oh maybe i'll never be able to transition you just have to be able to see somebody else do it and then you realize you can do it and once you do that enough you realize that you can do anything if you put enough time into it but that's the big if. Right. So yeah, there are things I see people do now that I'm like, oh God, I don't know if I could ever do that. But I don't think that anymore because I think, oh yeah, I, I could do that if I put enough time into it. But it's like, <laughs> am, am I going to put enough time into it? Uh, yeah, probably yeah, not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm, I really like what you said there, but like that's the meat. That's the like, the sitting down, the tinkering, the like enjoying the problem that you're solving. Mm -hmm. um, enjoying every bit of progress you make too. Cause man, like the joy I see in some students when they come to me be like, oh, look how much better I am at this than last week. It's like, yeah, that's great. But you know, to have something nailed and play it a few times is not very fun. Mm. 
right yeah for sure it's it's that like oh yes i'm like i'm getting better and it sounds so much better and i can see that and i'm proud of myself that's the greatest feeling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i i think that's another thing that i'm learning with guitar now is like all like i'll I'll like pick out a song that i want to learn and then um like i wanted to learn uh uh your song the elton john Mm, that is a Um, lot of chords in it yes it was quite complicated and then i think something that i'm doing now is like i like strip out some of the like non-essential chords you know like what is like the 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 main changes and what are just flourishes and even that but but i i guess like you know with the internet there's just too many options there's like too many things that i could be learning and like Mm -hmm. i could see myself picking this song being stubborn about nope this is the song that i wanted to learn and just it, it wasn't a good stepping stone, you know, like I'm jumping to four right. hexes when really you're still right. in two hex land. And it's it's hard to like, I guess like calibrate that a bit of like, what is mm. what is reasonable for me to learn next? I, I think rock right. climbing does a really good job at this. Of like, you start at one, you're going to two, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and literally every problem is so clear of like this is what your what what range is reasonable right now and what's yeah. going to be outside of that because i think for me in music like i don't have that intuition yet like i don't have that sense of like mm, that song's that song would be easy i could probably pick that up just because I've never really like listened to songs so intently to be mm. like, oh, this is just a three chord song, you know. For me, all songs just sound like songs, and it's not right. until I, like, not not until I Google, uh, you know, ultimate guitar tab, and then I'm like, oh wow, that song was way too loud. Okay, I need to make a new one. Yeah, yeah, that's one. That's what the good teacher is for. Um, mm. They're your barometer for those kind of things until you can figure it out which can be a while. Um, like that's one of my biggest things that I have to do for my students is figure out what song they should learn next. Cause they don't know music. So they rely on me to recommend songs. And so I have to not only recommend something I think they'll like and enjoy learning, but something that's like doable, but a little bit of a challenge. It's hard sometimes, yeah. especially when they don't practice. <laughs> Cause you're like, oh. Like, I know what you can do. So if I pick something you can do, you're going to eat through it. But if I challenge you, you're never going to do it because you don't practice. So, yeah, anyway, that's hard. Um, what was I going to say? Something about that. Oh, yeah, okay, a couple things to get around that. Traditionally, people didn't have the internet to learn. So they would have their guitar, their ear, and, like, some records. So... If you're teaching yourself, you're literally listening to records. Um, so ear training is developed very early on, and you can start to pick out those chords a lot easier, but it is a really hard thing to start in the beginning. It's very discouraging to try to figure out chords. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, because you said like every song is its own song, and you don't know if it's going to be good for you right now. But if you get a book... Like I, I don't advocate for learning by books that much at a certain level, 
but in the beginning if you get a book you know you like a bunch of these songs um there you look at a couple like you just go to the store and look at a couple of the songs and you're like okay yeah, i could maybe do some of those the book will usually have a bit of a range like some really easy easy ones some you know medium ones and then a couple challenging ones those are great because then you can test yourself with the challenging ones like have an easy day with an easy one if you want and just like play through the rest at your own time um so yeah in the beginning uh, if you go and get a good book with some stuff you like that can be good mm -hmm. the other benefit of that wow. is that you know there are minimal mistakes right because man online tabs are a shit show <laughs> <laughs> i i because yeah. i learned i learned from that too that's how i did it like mm. uh what is it ultimate guitar that yeah. was kind of a new website when i first started learning guitar maybe maybe like a few years old so yeah that's how i learned all my songs and holy crap were so many of them wrong <laughs> yeah yeah mm. um i i feel like on this this idea of like ear training and um i think something i'm maybe it's like self-conscious of or like I feel like I should know but I still don't know it's like on like like practicing right pitch or like I'm, I'm like practicing to learn how to sing at the same time um as I'm playing songs and like I have a guitar tuner for you know when um the the guitar is out and like I I can tell when like all the strings aren't ringing out you know mm -hmm. what I mean but I think that me singing at the same time, it's like the wild west. Like, like I have no... I heard you singing, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I kind of don't care. Like, I, I'm like, yeah. the, I like the process of singing. I'm like, it doesn't have to be good. I'm just, yeah, like the expression fun. But, yeah. um, I mean, at a certain point, I would like to improve. But, mm -hmm. like, I don't... Mm, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I was uh, um, with my, uh, sometimes I'm watching like these uh, America's Got Talent uh, YouTube clips of these um, like eight-year-olds. And um, I think I found this one girl and yeah, I just like put it on for my mom. I was like, mom, I want to show you this really cool video. And yeah, this like little girl just, did this great like it was a Whitney Houston song or something nuts like that right like oh my goodness it's and um I think yeah my mom made this comment like wow like some kids are just like born with that right mm -hmm. you know you're never going to be that good ever um that sort of idea but yeah. you know I, I guess I do recognize that you know that kid like practices really hard to get to that point but I think I mean that's just a jump that we often have to make of you know it's, uh, okay this was the point that i wanted to connect of you said um you know oh how how quickly can i transition my chords and then you're like you just need to watch someone else do it and then you say oh it is humanly possible to do that mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like putting in enough time mm -hmm. um, and then you make that decision for yourself okay how much time do i want to dedicate to this do i care that much um, I think for a lot of people, they don't know, they don't make that calculation. They're like, oh, that's not for me to do, biologically impossible, right? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so many people, I hate it when they see kids 
like blowing them out of the water. <laughs> like they get so disheartened and I do too, um, but not anymore really. So once you learn more about uh, child development and how music can affect it, like it, it becomes debatable how much it they're born with it. Like there, there are just like anything, like in athletics, there are genetics that are at play. Like if you are taller than somebody else, you will be more inclined for certain activities, right? But if you're shorter and more powerful, maybe you'll be better at other things. So genetics will play some part, but there's more and more research that shows like kids' exposure to different things at like you know those prime years between like. I don't know, I'll say like eight months and three. Because, you know, you see three-year-old prodigies already, but like maybe eight months and two or eight months and three can have such an impact. Um, one guy on YouTube I watch, he has a son and he, he's a musician and producer and everything. But his his son was kind of like an experiment. I don't know if he intended it to be, but he would play, just because he loves music so much, he'd play like Charlie Parker, so jazz music. He'd play... Um, Tchaikovsky and Stravinsky, like more intense classical music around the house, like not just Mozart or baby music or like whatever. You play real music with real harmonic progressions and challenging things. This kid has perfect pitch, like, and is better than a room full of university music professors at identifying pitches and sounds. But he said the, the process was, yeah, play this kind of music don't shy away from it because he's a little baby and then when he was old enough he brought him down to his little studio and played a note on piano and said uh, and then his son just said oh that's star wars and he's like wait what like that's star wars you're starting star wars he's like okay what note is or what is this note and he plays a different note he's like oh that's superman Mm -hmm. right and he's like okay when you hear Star Wars, say B flat. And when you hear Superman, say, I think it was like G or something, right? He's like, okay. It's like, what note is this? B flat, right? Because he had heard all these pieces and they were all so lodged in his brain. It was at the point when he's learning language um, mm. that, you know, B, like Star Wars is so ingrained in his brain that he hears the first note of Star Wars. Da, 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 da. It was a B flat. He's like, yeah, it was a B flat. That's Star Wars. <laughs> so... Mm perfect pitch and then he just had to teach him the names for all the notes and he had it um another thing that went with that i don't know i don't know how like into music that kid is but like he knows all the notes <laughs> and like he can he can name all these chords like the, the dad will play clusters of notes on the piano and the kid is just like hmm, dun, 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 and names every note in that chord wow yeah it's pretty great uh, oh yeah, what I was gonna say. So with language development, we talk to babies in like baby talk to exaggerate um, emotion, right? So that they can pick up on it easier and learn to emote themselves. But after a while, you stop doing that mm-hmm. because if you did that forever, that's they would think people talk like that, and then they'd grow up only being able to speak baby talk. So I don't know why people think. In music, you have to keep playing them stupid baby songs, like Baby Shark, until they're seven years old. Like, why, why, why are there these like kids compilation albums and stuff? Play them some John Coltrane for God's sake! Like, show them real music, <laughs> and so that they can get those sounds in their ear and they're normal, right? Like, 
be so much better if we could create a generation of people who are used to these sounds and then can progress away from like if they think john coltrane is like calm and boring by the time they're 10 holy cow they're going to do amazing things in their life with music <laughs> so anyway you don't have to include any of that if you don't want to in the podcast that's all just to say like, <laughs> like there are so many factors with these kids and then um people see that and they get discouraged because they don't know all that so like oh this kid is just born with it and they it's an excuse for themselves not to put any effort into something mm-hmm. um but yes yeah, so you will never be good as that eight-year-old mm-hmm. uh this is something also you don't have to put in the podcast but just for you um and if anybody don't you can keep it in if you want to give people a free like ear training singing lesson here but you said you don't know where to start with your singing and ear training mm-hmm. so the the perfect place to start so singing is the expression of your ear training there's something called audiation which is the phenomenon of hearing a sound in your head clearly right like you know how you can hear a word in your head that's audiation before you say it so hearing a pitch in your head is the same thing we just need to familiarize familiarize ourselves with the pitch enough um now we can't after a certain age develop perfect pitch so you won't be able to memorize specific pitches but you can memorize distances between pitches and that's what we have to work toward if you want to do any ear training or being able to like hear songs for what they are um so the place to start play a single note on your guitar listen to it try to hear it in your head and then sing it and try to listen to your singing while the guitar note is playing and match them as perfectly as you possibly can once you think you have it like in sync Mm-hmm. play a different note and try to sing that note but always stop listen to the note try to hear it in your head then sing it because you're you're training audiation right mm-hmm. um you're training that process of hearing the note in your head which is then expressed through your voice mm-hmm. after a while let's say you work on fret one note fret three note fret one note fret three note and you're just practicing singing back and forth right you play the note sing it play the note sing it play the note sing it Maybe try singing the next note before you play it. See if you could sing it perfectly before hearing it on the guitar. Right. Then sing the other note. And then don't play them at all. Sing back and forth. Check on your guitar. Does it sound good? Yeah. Okay. You were singing those two pitches. Right? So just start singing a couple notes every day with your guitar before you do your chord practice. It'll do wonders. Like, yeah. Very easy to do. Cool. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) <laughs> one of my essays like the essay i wrote in fourth year um for my pedagogy class and what i submitted for like my applications is oral training as the foundation of jazz education hmm. so i'm very passionate about your training <laughs> okay that's great <laughs> total total side note you can jump in right now total in the in the podcast and be like yeah that was 20 minutes that Thomas talking about your training <laughs> anyway. well we'll see how it goes we'll see yeah. how it goes okay so um, anyway back to what you're talking about yeah i mean i've kind of lost the thread we were talking about learning new things um yeah practicing yeah. practicing practicing the the i again i the the the, the the nugget in this episode for me so far is what you said about the the fun is in the learning like once you've learned it it becomes boring um yeah uh this isn't exactly the 
on, on that thread, but I, um, I pulled up this uh, quote from, from this book. Um, it's called uh, A Tale for the Time Being. And mm -hmm. it's written um, by this lady who's like, she's like a Zen monk. She's like been ordained a Zen monk. And so there's a lot of like mindfulness uh, stuff throughout this book. But um, at one point, legit, it's just the instruction of like how to meditate or how to sit Zazen is what they call it in um, Zen practice. And uh, so it, it's written from this perspective of the 16 year old girl. And she just talks about, um, uh, yeah, relaxing and uh, listening to your breathing. It sounds pretty simple, but when I first tried to do it, I got totally distracted by my crazy thoughts and obsessions. And then my body started to itch and it felt like there were millipedes crawling all over me. But the good news is it, that it doesn't matter if you screw up Zazen. Uh, her grandma says, don't even think of it as screwing up. It's totally natural for a person's mind to think because that's what minds are supposed to do. So if your mind wanders and gets tangled up in crazy thoughts, you don't have to freak out. It's no big deal. Just notice it's happening and drop it like whatever and start again from start again from the beginning. Um, but we, we do freak out. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think we're so trained to freak out when it's when we're not like doing it right, um, mm -hmm. whether that's meditating or singing or guitar or rock climbing or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why do you think that is? Uh, funny. I, I was gonna bring this up earlier, but I forgot. But I saw a, uh, such an apt explanation for it. And it's a little bit of a cynical explanation. Um, I think it was just like a Twitter post of some person, but it made its rounds on the internet, I guess. <laughs> It was basically saying, like, we are so trained as children and uh, to enjoy the things we're good at and only do the things we're good at. And we're encouraged when we're good at something that as soon as we encounter a challenge, we don't know what to do and we quit because we think we as a person failed because we can't do it. So this kind of relates back to what I was saying about kids not knowing what challenges are and being able to work through things um mm. but yeah I, I do think it's a bit of like western culture that we coddle kids to thinking that they're so special and good at everything and then they feel good and as soon as they are bad at something it's like this emotional shockwave to their system and then they just drop it and then freak out and quit because now no more praise from mom uh mm. no more stickers on the report card like can't do this uh, so I quit. I'm going to go back to what I'm good at and be like praised for it. So mm -hmm. a bit of it, maybe from a cynical point of view, is our upbringing. Because um, mm -hmm. I don't think you see that as much in like Eastern cultures. I don't know. I don't have the experience. But... Yeah, couldn't, couldn't comment. No. But sorry, what was yeah. the question? That was that was uh, one thing that had been on my mind. So I might have pushed that into this question. But what was the question? Right, again? right, right. No, it, it, well, it's just saying like when you're, um, hold on, when your like mind wanders and gets yeah. tangled in crazy thoughts, we freak out. But yeah. like, you don't need to freak out. Like, just because you're making a mistake, like, it's okay. Like, 
It's just mm-hmm. a mistake. For me, I think I have a lot of like maybe like perfectionist tendencies, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I don't know. Do you, Thomas? Do you see yourself as a perfectionist? No, <laughs> I don't think so anymore. I used to be more. Um, things got too hard though. <laughs> Yeah. This thing that stuck with me so much that you told me in like the middle of our university experiences um, was like the amount of effort it takes to get to like 85% compared to the effort it takes to get from 85 to 100% is like, yeah, or the, I guess the effort for that last 15% is exponentially more difficult <laughs> or more yeah. than that initial like 85%. So yeah, I kind of like thought about that a lot in different points in my life um, since then. And I'm trying to implement that. Like I also, okay, a few things going on in my head. Um, remind me about the kids freaking out again. Okay, I also think through my guitar practice, I've learned you might be at a point in your life when you're learning something and you want to get it to like, you know, you see, you see what is humanly possible. You see that smooth transition from that C to that G chord. And you're like, yes, mm. that is the ultimate expression of what I'm trying to do. And I want to get there. So you practice and practice and practice. You decided like, this is important to me. I'm going to put in all this time to get there. It's not happening though. Like you've put in so much of your life into this thing for months and it's just like not happening. But maybe you did get pretty good at it but you're just still that 10% away, mm. I think it's a good point to leave it, learn other things and come back to it. Mm-hmm. So the example I give my students for that is Thunderstruck, like the ACDC song. <laughs> One of the first songs I learned, when you look at the notes on the page, it's easy. It's a pattern, at least for the very first few seconds of 0407, those are the frets on the guitar. Zero four zero seven zero four zero seven. You just keep repeating that, and then you change zero five zero eight zero five zero eight zero five zero eight. Easy. That's so easy. Anybody can do that. But to do it at the speed that Angus does it in ACDC to make the song sound like the song, that takes a long time. So I always tell my students my experience with that song. I learned those notes. I got it messy and maybe a third of the speed, and I gave up. I didn't give up. I just decided I don't want to practice this anymore. It's hard. Uh, I came back to it like two years later without practicing it, and I could do it. Right. So, like, sometimes that last 10% can be gained by doing other things. Um, it's, it's not necessarily practicing that specific thing anymore. It's the general time and comfort and skill overall with what you're doing. Um, because, like, yeah, no matter how much a new guitar player practices Thunderstruck, they'll never get it to full speed. They have to learn so many other things and get technique down and get like hammer-ons and pull-offs and all these other things down before they come back to it and they can pick that and do it properly. Mm. So so that last 15% might not even be there to begin with. Like you have to leave it, come back to it another time and it might just be there Mm. for you. I, I sort of feel that way with like some of these university courses where the prof intentionally the last 15% it's not for you <laughs> like yeah. it wasn't yeah. designed for you to get it was designed for those like yeah super genius prodigies that like they needed to test they needed to find some way to differentiate it 
So yeah. the last 15% wasn't in the course and it no. was never supposed to be in the course. And the only way to understand that 15 is if you also like happen to have a part-time job working at this thing. And, you know, like you also mm. took this other course and like, you know, filled out all these things. That was the only way to like mm -hmm. get the adequate experience for that 15 or yeah. for that last 15. Yeah. It's yeah. like the roof was here, 85, that was a hundred, but then they encountered some people who were better than that or who could do more. So they just had to make some, uh, measurement above the roof for those people and they had to include right. it in the course right for those people yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah no it's not it's not there for us <laughs> <laughs> for you commoners yeah um, no but that's okay like one day you might learn those things and be like oh yeah that makes sense or i can do that now that, yeah. Yeah, it's totally cool yeah um I talked okay. to Dwayne the other day. I was just going to oh, did you? Yeah, so shout out to Dwayne. Uh, shout out to Dwayne. He uh, wanted to chat and get some ideas about teaching and tutoring as he's mm. thinking about picking some of that up as he transitions to his next phase in life. So Yes. Yeah, I know he's a listener. So shout out. <laughs> you just put that at the beginning of the episode. Could you do that? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Immediate shout out. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I'm looking at the time. Maybe this is our episode. Yeah, no, you probably have to cut a lot of that out oh, <laughs> to make it, make it digestible. Our episodes are always so long. That's okay. It's good. It, it was good content. Um, okay. Well, Thomas, thank you. Thank you. A pleasure as always. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the theme music. And thank you for the good conversation.